0: And now, and now with the now, somewhat the exciting somewhat conclusion, conclusion of the Dark, of the dark Windows, Windows Podcast. Podcast. Age of Radio. Yes, we are.
1: From our, you know, minor uh, pee break slash uh, poop break. I'm going
0: to take the opportunity now to apologize for something I've never had to apologize for, uh, the length of this episode. (laughs) This is going to be a big one. Yes, it is. But it's okay because this is one of those topics that we could have broken it up, but no, fuck that. We want you guys to get all of it in one shot. Yeah,
1: because, I mean, why break it up? Because it would actually have to be like... One week, and then, like, two weeks later, we do the next one. So. Yeah, because,
0: I mean, we kind of got something going on next week that might be a little important.
1: So, without further ado, you know, let's talk about some disappearances.
0: Yeah, there's been a few.
1: You know, and I'm actually going to preface this by saying that uh, um, at the end, I'm going to cover two disappearances that were um from Vermont, but weren't aren't in this area. But I'm like, well, they kind of fit, so let's talk about them.
0: Okay, so when you explained that to me b- beforehand, I thought they were different states, but they were similar. No. I'm like, that's stupid. Don't do no, that. No,
1: no, no, no. Okay. Um, so the first one is uh, Middy Rivers. Um, Middy went missing on uh, November 12th of 1945 in Glastonbury Mountain area. Um, he disappeared when he was 75 years old. Yeah. Uh, he lived his whole life in Bennington, in, in the Bennington area, and enjoyed the outdoors and he loved it so much that he became a game guide.
0: So, so this is not a guy who's just out wandering around in the no. woods. This guy knows the area like the back of his hand.
1: Yep. And on the day that he went missing, he took four men out hunting. While out in the mountain, they decided, okay, well, hey, you know, gone far enough. Let's head back. So they began their journey back, and Mitty actually got ahead of them. Bad um, idea. And well, he was never seen again. A search was conducted, and they followed the same route that the men took. More than three hundred concerned locals and U.S. Army soldiers dispatched from uh, Massachusetts, Massachusetts Fort Devens combed through the vast wilderness for eight solid days. While the search, um, they're in the search, they only found a bullet casing by the Creek. And here's actually, um, a little snidbit bit from,
0: Oh Jesus. And this is from another awful book by a terrible author. Yeah.
1: This was actually from, um, a newspaper article, um, about their reaction from finding the bullet.
0: Let me preface this. You're, you're reading this from, uh, David Politis's missing four one, one Eastern States. Um, he's written so many of these, but that's the one that I saw. I, when I saw that and was like, oh shit, I have to have that because I know what we're going to find in there. Yes.
1: So, uh, it says, um, quote, Mitty leaned down to get a drink and it fell out of his pocket. Searchers never found midi, never found his supplies, rifle, coat, hat, nothing. So their theory was that, He actually was, you know, leaning down. It fell out of his pocket. But this guy would never, I mean, I don't think he would ever, ever have a bullet just kind of like just sitting there. And, you know, Uh,
0: I don't know. I mean, if you, if you move, if you got it in your pocket, which a lot of, a lot of old timers like when they hunt, they just grab a, you know, Five six bullets, just chuck them in a pocket. But if you bend over just right, if you're wearing, uh, I'm assuming wool pants. If the, what what time of year did this happen? Towards winter. It's winter. It's yeah. November. It's hunting season. Yeah. so he probably would have had some like heavy like woolies on, and those pockets aren't real deep. I mean, you, you could move just right and, and lose one. I've done it.
1: I'm gonna say no, just because of the fact that I think, well, no, I mean, unless he had unloaded his rifle, because usually most people just take you know what's what's they need for hunting but in Mitty's
0: case unless he's got a single shot he's true you know true
1: but in Mitty's case he was never ever ever seen again right i mean no trace no nothing so okay so our next one is actually a little less than 10 years prior to Mitty rivers coming up missing this was the case of uh alice lorraine baker And she went missing in the area of Bald Mountain, which is where Glastonbury is. Yeah, Glastonbury
0: Um, Mountain, Bald Mountain, whatever. She
1: and her parents and sibling, who were from the Hudson uh, Falls area of New York, decided that they want to go on a vacation over to Vermont. And to be more precise, a cabin in the woods of Bald Mountain area. Right. So on the day that Alice went missing... Um, her mom decided that she had to go to the neighbor's for house for some reason. So, she took... I'm all out of dick. Can I steal a cup yeah. of it? <laughs> so, she decided to... I've seen how
0: that movie starts.
1: And ends, actually. Well, she decided to leave 20-month-old Alice home alone. The fuck? hmm
0: <laughs> Oh, my and God.
1: She figured she wouldn't be too long, I guess. And when she wasn't, she was only gone for 10 minutes. Well, when she got back... She went to where she had actually left Alice and Alice was not there. So she began to look around
0: for her calling her name. How the fuck do you leave? She couldn't find her. A two-year-old child home by itself. I don't know. Stupid. It's amazing.
1: So she then went back to the neighbors to ask them for help in searching for Alice. They couldn't find her. So they then called in the cops to actually help her look for Alice. And I have a little, uh, you know, quote here from uh, the telegraph, which was, um, and it was, uh, this was dated August eighteen August 18th of 1937, two, d- two days after um, Alice went missing. Okay. Um, and it said, th- this is from a, uh, a local constable in the area named uh, Ralph Young. And the quote was, maybe Alice didn't wander away alone into the woods. Ooh. I'm
0: afraid
1: something else happened to her. Which he basically was hinting at that maybe she was abducted. Yeah. Um. So then three days after her disappearance on august 19th 1937 the meridian daily ran a quote from um, a sheriff named peck and said quote the child could not possibly have survived the cold and exposure for the past two nights so he basically said that she would be dead
0: yeah a a kid that age can't fend for itself out overnight in that kind of environment yeah Again, this is probably, again, probably winter, right? In that neighborhood? Uh, no. Well, no, it's it's August. Okay, well, still, shit, it so. gets, it doesn't get terribly cold at night no. in August, but it gets cold enough at night that I wouldn't want to leave a fucking small child out in it alone. True, true. Also, there's these neat little things called fucking coyotes that are monsters that will yes. eat your kids if you leave them unattended with exactly. them. Exactly. Which is why we have open season on coyotes, because they are the fucking devil, and they should all be killed. So, just a day
1: after this, so, so the search was about to be postponed on August twentieth, so
0: she went missing on my birthday August eighteenth
1: twentieth oh I, well no no sixteenth okay, good sixteenth she okay, went missing, good, so
0: I would have hated to have yeah, that on my conscience, no, even no. though it's not my fault, nope, <laughs> um so my dad was my fuck my grandfather was was a child when this happened. So I wasn't even a twinkle in the twinkle of a twinkle of an eye. No. So not my fault. Didn't do it. Yeah. Can't blame me.
1: Don't. Can't blame you.
0: Kevin himself was just a a wee lad when this happened. (laughs) Like. Shut up. A boy of mere six. Uh, Only six.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. uh, So the search was supposed to be postponed, like I said, on the 20th. But then something unexpectedly shocking happened. Some volunteers that were searching a hardly used logging road heard something moaning. The volunteers got through the undergrowth by the edge of the road and found, ta-da, Little Miss Alice sitting on the ground naked as the day she came into the world. She was sitting on, one piece, uh, on the one-piece sundress that she had actually been wearing the day that she went missing. She was examined by a, a doctor, and they simply said that uh, she would be up and running around in no time.
0: How how far away from the house?
1: Uh, I'm going to say some distance. Like in like four distance. days later.
0: Yeah. She didn't do that by herself. No. She didn't get that far, and she didn't survive that long by herself. No. Which will also play into our Bigfoot theory where I don't remember if I think it was in this book, the uh, missing 401 missing 411 Eastern States where there was another little guy that was probably like four or five that got snagged up by what he said was a bear when he got lost in the woods and it brought him berries and stuff like that and kept him safe for five or six days. And then, he just he went to sleep one night and woke up out next to a lake and somebody found him and he matched the description of a missing kid.
1: Well, I guess supposed to, according to this book there was actually another um little guy that went missing in uh Minnesota, I believe it was. Maybe that's
0: where I'm thinking.
1: What Minnesota Wisconsin somewhere like that that was kind of like the same scenario where you know, he went missing and then turned up. Hey, here I am. Yeah. You know, not too long after. Um, So. Huh.
0: So, the, well, God damn it. There's so many theories going through my head with all this stuff, but I'm going to let you keep going. Yeah. Because there's still more.
1: So, okay. So, that is, that's pretty much Alice. Um, so, I was 1937. 19, yeah, 1937.
0: And Midi was
1: 19, uh, 1945.
0: 40, 45. 45, okay. Yep. So that's uh nine years later. Yep. Eight S- years later. Sorry. Wait, no, I can't do math. I'm an asshole. Anyway, twelve. Twelve years later, there we go.
1: So, well, no, not twelve. Sorry, it would have been almost twelve. It was uh, actually, it was actually, you're right. Um, not ten. It was actually, uh, you're right. You're okay. Right, you're right. I can't do math. I,
0: I can't either, and I don't remember what number no. I gave you. So <laughs> anyway. Uh,
1: yeah, you're right. An eight. Okay. Perfect. So Glad anyway. You know. So the next one actually took place a year in well, just give us thirty days we'll ish after. Um this was the, the kind of like the most famous one because there was most about it. Um this was the case of Paula uh Paul uh, Paula Weldon. Paula Jean Weldon. Yep. She went missing the December first of nineteen forty six. On Glastonbury Mountain. hmm She was only 18 years old when she went missing. Now, she was actually a sophomore at uh, one of the local colleges. Uh, which, uh, the local college Bennington. in Bennington. Which was the Bennington College, which no longer exists.
0: Nope. Peter Dinklage went there, though. He did. Yep. I believe. Yep. Most famous and also shortest uh, alumni, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so... On the day that she— Great fucking actor, though.
1: Yes. On the day that she went missing, she actually um, worked both the breakfast and lunch shifts in the uh, dining hall. After she went back to her dormitory, um, she must have decided that, you know what? I kind of want to get outside and go do something. Mm-hmm. So
0: she decided she was gonna go for a hike. Go blow off some steam. Yeah. Be by yourself. Absolutely. And I get that. She
1: told her roommate, you know, that she was gonna go. So Elizabeth Johnson, who was her roommate, said, Quote, I'm all through the uh, she told her roommate, quote oh, I'm sorry, let me start that again. You
0: couldn't by the way, you couldn't get a more generic Vermont woman's name than Elizabeth Johnson.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well uh so after she went back to her dormitory, um, she must have decided that she wanted to go for a hike. So she told her roommate, Elizabeth Johnson, quote, I'm all through my studies. I'm taking a long walk. So she headed out around 245-ish.
0: Yeah. And. Still plenty of light. Still daytime. And this is what, like uh, September-ish? Nope, November. December. December, okay. So
1: we got another, uh, another about what? Uh, two hours yeah
0: you're, you're starting to burn daylight but yeah. if you're just going for a quick walk you're good
1: yeah and this was all according to johnson's recollection of of what she was told by uh weldon so she said that uh weldon put on her blue jeans sneakers and took her red parka
0: Mm-hmm. now um, there's something interesting isn't it but this is the only time I saw something to do with red. Mitty parka. was wearing a red jacket, from all accounts. He had a red check, like a red, like plaid wool jacket.
1: Well, I don't think I. They never actually said what he was wearing. Not in
0: that one, but if you, I, I've heard some accounts from local people that have done some stuff, and they said that everybody said when he left, when he was out on his hunting trip, he always wore a red and black plaid wool jacket when he was out, like, in the winter. Like a, like a Johnson Woolens jacket. Well, yeah. Of course, you if you're not from current... here, you don't really understand what that means, but... I mean, you, you know. know how many choices for colors. No, especially back then. You they know. made them in fucking black and red, green and red, or green. I believe that's how they still make them.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I oh, dude, I gotta get Well, then they one.
1: also do, now they do, like, gray. Yeah, well, now, but know. that wasn't back in the or 40s. They, yeah, they, you know... I mean, I got, like, a pair of um, wool pants in gray and something yeah. else. I, I got to
0: make a trip up there and buy a new jacket, though.
1: Um, so she put on you know, the jeans, sneakers. I mean, I don't know why you would put sneakers on if you're going to go for a hike, but okay. So shortly after she was left, she was actually seen by um, Danny uh, Fager, the owner of a gas station. That at the time was across the street from the college gates, which actually now there is no um there is no gas station. It's actually there's like just a house over there. You know, and there's it's just nothing. It's a field.
0: By the way, you know Danny got shipped for that last name. Probably. You're <laughs> you're a short a you're a short A away from being Fagger. Yes. <laughs> So uh up, Fager... Fager God damn it I hate you guys.
1: <laughs> so Fager said that the girl ran up to the side of a gravel pit near the college entrance then ran down it again. Then um she went out of view. Later search parties would uh call in a bulldozer to sift through the gravel pit on the off chance that when she was doing this these kind of like wind sprints up and down it, mm-hmm. that uh, she got buried alive. Which is possible. Which is one of the theories that kind of like float around, but or, no evidence actually was found because they never actually found her body. And
0: Or on one of the trips, she fucking fell into that man-eating rock. Could have been. Probably not, though. So
1: just before 3 p.m., uh, Lewis Knapp of Woodford picked up a girl hitchhiking on Route 67A, just outside the college entrance. His description of her matched Weldon. Uh, when climbing into his truck, the girl uh, nearly slipped, and Knapp uh, warned her, be careful. No further words were spoken between them until Knapp let her off near her his driveway, which was on Route 9 near the Long Trail. And if this is actually like Toward the top, because that's where the long trail runs. Right is toward the top of the mountain, because Route Nine runs from Bennington to uh, Brattleboro, which is on the other side of the mountain. Um, like, well, quite a ways on the other side of the mountain, but that's where the it it runs. Um, so this is where she told him that what uh, she want, uh, where she wanted to go, and after thanking Nap for the ride Weldon headed off for the trail now the next sighting of, her, of the girl was roughly 45 minutes later in Bickford Hollow where several residents reported seeing her headed to the trail one was Ernie Whitman a watchman for the banner who warned her about heading up into the mountains dressed so lightly and at such a late hour he continued on anyway. She continued on anyway into the woods and out of sight forever. So this is
0: That's the last time anybody saw her.
1: Yeah, so think about this. This is now um well after three, so we're pushing close to four o'clock. She's got about an, another hour if that if that of light.
0: It you probably got half an hour. Maybe, light. yeah. The last person that saw her was a truck driver, right? No. Er Okay.
1: Ernie Whitman. Who was? A watchman.
0: Okay. Because I was going to say, if the last person that saw her alive was this truck driver, makes me a little suspicious.
1: Well, yeah. Er I mean, well, Ernie Whitman was one of the few that saw her. Right. Because, you know, she was in this area and several others saw her.
0: Right. Because there is a theory that all of these people, with the exception of the little girl, so you have like Mitty, and then uh, Paula, and I believe there's another one, isn't there, that went missing and never came back. Few. So there, there's a theory that right around that area there was a serial killer, but that one I don't really. That one I don't really necessarily buy into because yeah, Mitty was an old man. But well, he was armed to the fucking teeth. He was out hunting. Yeah. Unless you caught him by surprise, you, you wouldn't have done... You mm-hmm. wouldn't have got the drop... You wouldn't have killed him. Yeah. And there would have been blood somewhere. Exactly. You know, which... So that's that's one that I kind of... As much as I'm like, ooh, that'd be kind of a cool theory to, to chase down, I don't really... I don't know. I don't. I don't see it happening.
1: Yeah. So when Nightfall came and... She didn't actually return back to the dorm. Johnson chose not to tell anyone right um because well, she probably figured that she stayed somewhere
0: else and be returning late or would return in the morning and I believe there was a boyfriend involved that the people that she didn't uh, want people to know sup- about or something well, that's a
1: supposed one of thing. the theories, yeah, yeah. That she had um, met
0: some boy that her parents didn't like. And,
1: yeah, her father disagreed with yeah. and she ran off with him, which there actually was never really any substantial evidence to prove that.
0: No, because you would have had sightings of her somewhere else. Yeah. Somebody would have said, you know, they would have stopped at a gas station or something. Somebody else would have seen her. Mm-hmm. So to me, that, that one doesn't really...
1: So the next morning comes, and there is no Alice. I'm sorry, there is no Paula.
0: There's no Alice
1: either, no, no Alice either, <laughs> and so Johnson it's like, oh well, gotta do something, so she went and notified the college president, Lewis Webster Jones,
0: the about whitest this. name ever
1: um he in turn then called Paula's father, or mother and father, to see if she'd actually gone home for the weekend um, because they actually lived in Connecticut. Yep. Um, and Walden's mother reportedly collapsed from shock and was uh, confined to her bed while her father, um, Archibald,
0: no oh, headed
1: straight for Bennington from their Stanford, Connecticut home.
0: What a terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> Archibald? Yeah. Ugh. So
1: well, actually, it was, probably, it was probably William Archibald. Still, Jesus. Uh, he took off, and as you he, do, he wanted to get there to commence the search for his missing daughter. So he arrived in Bennington and immediately organized a large group of volunteers from all corners of the community, including local residents and members of both the Bennington College and Williams College, which is. Um, Not too far away either. It's actually like over the border.
0: Yeah, just into Massachusetts. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, the total number of volunteers was an estimated 1,000 people. Uh, classes at Beddington were suspended so that all students could participate in the search. By the evening of December 2nd, however, the college students had reportedly become frustrated with what they saw as an incompetent search. And they started, I'm sorry, uh, incompetent search. And they shared their criticism with Walden's father and President Jones. Um, I also did read that her father had also felt the same way and had voiced his opinion of how awful the police were at their jobs. Yeah. And he was being an engineer and was well known in his home state used his influence to call in the state police from New York and Connecticut because he felt the the search was just going so poor.
0: Well, that's that's another, unfortunately, a common thing in Vermont with missing persons or unsolved murders is we don't see it that often. So we're not prepared to hit ha- our not we our, our police forces aren't prepared to handle it correctly
1: well at the that, time like we weren't prepared for any of that because we were just kind of local yokel type of thing well, we shit. had just sheriffs who covered an area we okay we didn't have a state police
0: right that's fine even more recently like when we talked about fucking israel keys same thing local police department completely unprepared on how to handle it except one motherfucker who i like i would love to meet that guy because if we ever had a super cop it's him the guy that was like oh no no no. i got this i got him and had literally a fucking stack of paperwork trying to trying to find this guy while the rest of the police force are worried about fucking doling out speeding tickets and shit this one guy was like nope this is my job
1: but also, I mean, a lot of the time now we, we call in the state police you know, right. for a lot of people. So at the time, we didn't have that state police.
0: No, that's. It, this case actually led to the formation of yes. the state police.
1: Um, So from Vermont did actually have a state investigator by the name of Almo uh, Franzoni.
0: I'm sorry, Almo? Yes, Almo. Franzoni. Not Elmo. No. Elmo. Almo. A L M O. Yes. Okay. And, Franzoni. Yes. So he's an Irish guy.
1: Uh huh. Okay. Totally Irish. Maybe Polish. I'm not sure. <laughs> Ravioli hands and <it> all. Irish. <laughs> <laughs> um and in, within days of Paula's disappearance, he was put on the case. He along with representatives from the New York and Connecticut police departments took over the search. Those who had uh, been volunteering for to comb the Glastonbury wilderness for Paula switched their efforts to raising money for a reward. Uh, collectively, they raised five thousand dollars for anything that would lead to, you know, um, re- her body being found or something like that. The search continued, but to no avail. Even though they did get some leads, uh, and one of of which led them to Fall River, Massachusetts.
0: Oh, hey. By a
1: waitress that claimed that she had uh, served dinner to an agitated young woman at a table who matched Paula's description. So we go from the Bennington Triangle to the Bridgewater Triangle. This lead struck her father as so promising that he disappeared for 36 hours in order to follow it. Without telling anyone uh, of his whereabouts until he returned to Bennington, this led some to point to into Walden's direction as being the prime suspect in his daughter's disappearance. Uh-huh. A theory made even more compelling by the fact surrounding the weeks before Paula's disappearance, many speculated that Paula's depression was centered around a faraway boyfriend and her father at one point uh huh. uh, uh uh oh fuck oh let me get that again damn you aren't right <laughs> many speculated that paula's depression was centered around a faraway boyfriend and her friend a father at one point uh put a theory out that his daughter had a boy from her hometown who, quote, wanted to call on her. And that was Stanford, could...
0: Connecticut, right?
1: Uh I don't know where. I,
0: I think that's where he said he came
1: up from. Yeah, he was from Stanford, but I don't know where he, the boyfriend, was from. No,
0: no, no. I mean, like that's where, where she was from was Stanford, yeah. and I thought you said her hometown. So I. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's like that's like the upscale part of Connecticut. Like. True. W- Across the water from New York City. hmm So that's, that's a fucking haul up here from there.
1: Yeah. Now, um... So he kind of said that basically that... Kind of was pointing the direction of his so-called boyfriend. And... But he could never provide any evidence to substantiate... Sust- could never find any evidence to substantiate his claim... However, though, he claimed that a clairvoyant from Ponnell, which is the town just south of um, Bennington, uh, insinuated a man's involvement in Paula's disappearance. Now, on December 16th, Paula's father packed up his daughter's belongings and returned to Connecticut, but not before lambasting Vermont for its lack of professional police force. He deplored the alleged irresponsibility of those heading up the search, especially the fact that there was no records kept for the first 10 days of the investigation. This was not overlooked by the small army of reporters from across New England who had descended upon Bennington to cover the story. And the negative press for this for the state received in the weeks following Paula's disappearance helped to lead to the creation of the Vermont State Police in a le- legislative session on July. In, I'm sorry, in July of 1947, the very what the very next year of when Paula went missing, boom. State police, yeah. You know, state police came <laughs> yeah. in, yeah.
0: Got your happy price. price line. To
1: 1955. Mm-hmm. Because there was nothing. Well, a Lumberjack, who had been in the Bickford Hollow area um, near the Long Trail where Paula had disappeared, said that he had followed a girl fitting Paula's description into the woods. More importantly, he told a friend that he knew where Paula's body was buried. After interest in Paula's case... Had been revived, and the man had been extensively questioned by the village attorney, Reuben Levin. The man admitted that he had been joking and had no knowledge of yeah, Paula. Yeah, that's not a guy that's joking. Yeah. Um, the case remained unsolved and was nearly uh, declared a cold case until 13 years later, an unidentified skeleton was found in Adams. Uh, investigators excitedly awaited the result of an analysis on the bones only to find out they were too old to have possibly been Paula's closure. Once again, proved elusive for the weldins and investigators of the case. And still to this day, there is no closure because she's, her body's never been found. So, well, we now jump ahead to another gentleman named Paul Jespin.
0: Yeah. Oh, this one's fucking um, weird,
1: too. He went missing October 12th of 1950. Um, I can't say gentleman. Boy. Yeah. Okay. He's a kid. Uh, he went missing at the city dump in Bennington. And this one was kind of like city dump. Huh? Okay, why would the hell would he go missing at the city dump? Fucking kids playing at the dump, man. Well, he wasn't playing at the dump. There's a reason why he was at the dump.
0: Oh, he got caught in a trash can. No. Kidnapped by raccoons. Nope. Fucked. Well, tell me then. I'm going about to tell you. <laughs> uh, I, re- I, re- I was really shooting for kidnapped by raccoons, by nope. the way. Damn it.
1: No, no, no. Not those uh, dumpster bandits. So <sighs> when he went missing, he was only eight years old. He and his family moved from Schenectady, Schenectady, New York, um, which is not too far. It's probably I'm gonna say
0: Oh well, Schenectady's right by Albany, so it's
1: Yeah, like not even an hour away. No, not even. Um in you know, more city ish than Beddington. Oh, yeah that area. Yeah, because
0: Schenectady is like a, a suburb of Albany, essentially.
1: Yeah. So, moving from Schenectady over to New York because, well, his parents, Nancy and Paula Jespin, felt that they wanted their children to grow up in a more rural environment. And a rural environment is what they got.
0: Oh, for fucking sure.
1: So, the three of them and Paula's sister, Nancy, who was seven at the time, they moved to Bennington, um, and Paul Sr., uh, Bennington, you know, they came over. So Paul Senior got a job as a tax collector in Shaftesbury, which is the town just north yep. of Bennington, uh, which is actually part of the Bennington Triangle as well because it's so close. Yeah. Um. So, the family was was one of those very go get kind of families. You uh, know, they just, you know, were out to make a buck and, you know, do whatever they needed to be done. Yeah. Not only did Paul Sr. collect taxes for the f- town of uh, Shaftesbury, but he also ran the family farm. Nancy took it upon herself to look after the family's 65 pigs. Jesus. And this is where the dump comes in because <sighs> they kept them at the city dump. Makes sense. Um, Every day, she would go to the dump and move the pigs to a different spot. Free food. This is, um, to most, may not mean much, but the dump at the time was located at the base of the Bald Mountains. Okay. Okay, which is the area where Glastonbury is located and where most of the people who have been covered have gone missing. Yes,
0: the general vicinity.
1: Yep. So... On the day that Paul Jr. went missing, he rode with his mother to the fam- in the family truck to the dump at their usual time of 3.30 p.m. She parked the truck near the woods, and from what I read, she began the 30-minute process of moving the pigs while Paul Jr. stayed in the truck. Little shithead. He should have helped.
0: <laughs> I mean, how old was he? Uh Eight. Not much help you can be at eight years old, though. Yeah, you can be a little bit of help. Yeah. I mean, how helpful were you when you were eight? I was a shithead. I know that much. I was pretty helpful
1: because I mean, I, I had the help on, you know, my older brother on the farm stuff, and so I kind of, you know, was raised around that. Yeah. I mean, him not being raised around it. Okay, you know, maybe. So. She, got the pigs moved. And she went back to the truck. I'm guessing she went to go climb into the truck, looked over, and Paul was gone. Poof gone. Yep. Nancy went in the woods calling for Paul, and then she went from there to a the ravine, which is close to where the dump where they had parked. Looking for him, maybe he went down over the ravine, slipped, fell, went over. Right. Um, she didn't see him at all. So she went to the dump office and called her husband, Paul Sr., to tell him that Junior is gone and she can't find him. Paul Sr. then calls the sheriff and within two hours, the area is crawling with sheriffs and game wardens bo- for, looking for the boy. Paul Sr. thought that his son had gone into the woods because, well, he's a boy, and a kid. That's what they do. And likes the woods like most kids do um, <clears throat> around his age. The other theory was thrown out that was Paul Jr. had actually gotten buried in a landslide, which was because, you know. He had gone down over the bank, man, and then some...
0: They, they seem to be blaming landslides for a lot yeah. of these. Like, we're not necessarily known for landslides. I mean, we have them, but not that fucking frequently. No. So, they brought in a search dog
1: to look for him. And the dog quickly picked up on a scent and followed it down a road and then to another road. And then the scent just completely stopped. Gone. Yeah. The police then contacted all the houses on the road that the, where the scent had stopped to see if anyone had seen the boy, and no one did. Mm, hold
0: on one second. So, by the way, this is not the one I thought. That was real strange. Yeah, I think that's the next one.
1: Uh, hold on one second. So. Here's a quote from October 16th of 1950 from the North Adams transcript. And it ran the following paragraph, well, following statement. Sheriff Maloney said today that he has, uh, discarded for the time being, any theory that the boy might have met with foul play. So basically saying that, you know, wasn't killed.
0: No, he just, was just gone. gone. Yeah.
1: Um, as the search continued, a Coast Guard helicopter was brought in to search the mountains for Paul, and they didn't have any luck finding him either. Uh, professional and volunteer searchers looked for Junior for almost two weeks and didn't find anything. Jesus. Nothing at all. So, this kind of goes down to another one of those just mm, gone.
0: Just vanished.
1: Yeah. I mean, nothing. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but... uh, So, now, the last one for the area um, takes place 16 days... To 16 whopping days after Paul Jr. went missing <clears throat> this is the case of Frida Langer she went missing on October 28th of 1950 in Somerset which is the other side of the yeah uh, triangle. East, east of there yep yep. Um, and like I said well, Kevin said east of there which is over the hill yep. from Bennington uh, when she disappeared she was 53 years old and on so the day before she went missing, on on October 27th, 1950, Frida and her husband, Max, were going to their cabin in Somerset to go hunting. And they decided to bring their cousin, uh, I don't know which one, if, if it was Frida's or if it was Max's, um, but one of their cousins. Yeah. Um, his name was Herbert uh, Elsner. They decided to bring him along. So they arrived at the cabin uh that they had owned for 14 years and in that time that would means that they pretty much knew the whole goddamn area. Yeah, very familiar, I mean, you know. There's no way that they didn't know every bit of it. No, not, unless not they a didn't unless they didn't go out in the woods, but they're hunters. Right. So they would. <clears throat> so the day that she goes missing October 28th Max wakes up, and he's got a sore knee, and decided that he just wanted to stay at camp and rest his knee. But he's basically said to you know Frida and Max, I'm sorry, Frida and Herbert, go, go hunting. Yeah, you know, you just keep just do what you're gonna do. I'll stay here. So they still went out. And a little while into their hunt, Frida slips and falls into a brook and gets soaking wet. Right. So she feels that, you know, it's October. It's cold up there. Best go back to the cabin and get changed and then go back out. Yeah, you you don't want to
0: be out there in wet clothing and freezer catch off. hypothermia and, right
1: you know so they both went back to the cabin or proceeded back to the cabin i should say and at some point when they were not far from the cabin they decided to kind of split apart from each other and to see if um they could possibly see anything as well yeah. I'm guessing you know because you know they might want to be able to shoot a buck you know Fucking anything know.
0: anything made a deer yeah. at that point.
1: <clears throat> so at this time it was three fifty in the afternoon and at four forty five Herbert arrives back at the cabin. Yeah. And Free was not back at the time. So, I'm guessing they...
0: Now, after she left at, from getting changed, did they meet back up? No, no,
1: no, no. They never got... She No, they were oh, headed back. Oh, she never back. made it back. They were headed back. Okay. They split. Frida and Herbert split off. You know, go their separate ways for a little bit because they're so close to the cabin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're not very far. I think uh, Max... Or, or not Max, but uh, Herbert says that they were, like, 150 yards. Oh, shit. Yeah. That ain't nothing. No. So they wait around, you know, around for a while because probably they figure, well, maybe she's taking her time. Maybe she shot something and, you know. Well, you would have heard that at
0: 150 yards.
1: Yeah. But, you know, you know, you never know because, I mean, people shooting all the time, you know, you could a shot fair, you know. So she doesn't arrive back. And they go off looking for her. Um. And. Now. They were initially concerned. Because. she, Because you know, she knew the area. Right. But. When they did not find her. At all. That night. Um they became concerned
0: obviously and yep. they
1: called in the police which then led to a week-long search f- to find frida
0: and after after the first couple days you're not going to find anything that you're going to like no.
1: and unfortunately they did not find her at all and eventually the the actually the search was suspended
0: yeah after, then, after a week yeah
1: then on uh may 14th of 1951 Two men, James Renton and Herman Lincoln, were out fishing in the area where Frida had gone missing. Mm-hmm. The men saw something in the weeds at the end of a swampy uh... area. They went over to see what uh, what it was. What they were kind of looking at. Yeah. Because they didn't really know. Uh, and what they were actually looking at was the body of Frida Langer. Yeah. When the coroner did an autopsy, uh, he came to the conclusion that she had died of accidental accidental drowning. Now, it's worth noting that where her body was found had actually been searched. Multiple times. Multiple times. Yep. Gone through by the game wardens
0: and sheriffs. You want to know why they didn't find her? Because she wasn't there yet. Probably. Yeah. She wasn't there yet. That's why they didn't find her when they searched it multiple times. Yeah. You see that a lot with these, with like, missing persons cases. They'll go through and they'll canvas a whole area. They won't find a scrap of evidence. Two weeks later, somebody will be just wandering through there, and bam, there's a dead body. Because yep. they weren't there yet.
1: Now, okay, so the last two that um, I'm going to talk about, they're not a, a part of the Benton Triangle. Mm-hmm. But they're missing cases from Vermont, so I kind of figured I'd you know mention them because their disappearances were kind of about the same. Um, so this first one took place forty miles
0: south, forty uh, miles south of where Bennington. Um, I'm sorry, north.
1: It actually, I was took gonna place say it north. I'm it was sorry. Like
0: forty miles south of Bennington. I'll put you in Massachusetts, no, right?
1: No, no. um, it actually took place forty miles north of Bennington. Okay. Now, it was uh, named by the um, man by the name of Alfred Bishop. He went missing on uh, November 3rd of 1926 in Redding, Vermont. Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, he went out hunting uh, on this day with a friend of his, Morris Gallagher. They were both from the same town, which was actually just about 10 minutes north of here. Yep. Uh, called Felchville. <laughs> yeah. Um. Or, I'm sorry, it's it's south of Reading. Sorry, Felchville is south of Redding. Yeah, Reading. either way, yeah. Okay. We've both been through there.
0: Oh, for fucking sure. Yeah. Hundreds of times.
1: Now, now, not only were the friends, they, the, they were friends, but they were also hunt, hunting partners. And if folks know much about hunting, you mostly split up mm-hmm. and you hunt alone. Yeah. But you have a plan to meet back up. At a location at the end of the day, and these two guys were no, you know, different than that. They had a plan,
0: except for the fact that Gallagher was hunting watermelons with a giant hammer, no know. rifle or nothing. I don't
1: know, maybe. <laughs> but they had a plan, and the plan was to meet back at their vehicles at the yeah. end of the day. Um, the end of the day came. Morris went back to the vehicles. Didn't see Alfred. He waited for a while for him because he may have been slowed down because he was dragging a deer. Yeah. Or he would taken his time. Happens. Who knows, you know? Well, what is known, though, is that Alfred never came back to his vehicle. So Morris went out looking for Alfred, and he never found him. Alfred actually would be found 24 hours later. Mm. By a search party on november 4th 1926 the lewiston daily wrote an article about the finding of alfred's body and this is what they had to say and this was actually the description of the scene bishop's body was found beside an abandoned road in the woods near the summer camp of attorney general john g Sargent. uh there was evidence of a terrific struggle in the snow, which was beaten down from a distance of 60 paces about the body. Strewn about in different directions were Bishop's rifle, coat, and gloves.
0: Mm-hmm. This is the one I was thinking of, then. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, now, the Bridport Telegraph on uh, November 6th. uh, described the autopsy result as such. An autopsy was performed today on the body of Alfred Bishop of Felchville and failed to dispel the mystery of the young man's death uh, during a hunting trip Wednesday. No external marks of violence were disclosed on the autopsy. So, So no external marks were found. Yeah. And then, so later on in the article, hmm. they they go on to say the snow had been trampled over a considerable area, and there was uh, was ver- every evidence of a terrific struggle.
0: Yeah. So there's no external marks, and the area looks like somebody struggled there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do they ever come up with a cause of death? No, huh? Almost makes you wonder if they did but they were told you keep your fucking mouth shut about it
1: yeah because
0: again an armed hunter just randomly dead but but a struggle ensued somewhere
1: but why would you know like his rifle be strewn one way his coat be a different way and gloves be a totally different way
0: Look at the... You know. I, I don't want to bring it up again. Look at Diatlov Pass. You have a dead body, and there's shit just strewn everywhere because yeah. it wasn't necessarily there in the first place. It may have been dragged off by something.
1: <clears throat> True.
0: So... And I, I, I do tend to chalk a lot of this up to potentially Sasquatch activity. Yeah. With the missing people.
1: Um, but there actually was a... I mean, there was no, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, well, I did say that they, when the autopsy, they actually didn't find any wounds on his body. Okay. So, so like straight up no dead. gunshot wounds yeah. nothing, but there was blood. So, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, struggle, bones crack, something like that. Something happened, you know, where he was fucking just straight up beat the shit out of. Yeah. You know,
0: uh, that's an, uh, again that fits right in with Diatlov, where you know a lot of them don't show any external injuries, but like inside their innards are just all screwed up. So like they show like pressure, like squeeze injuries and shit like that.
1: So now this case is similar to another case. Okay, okay, this is the last one, um, and this is the disappearance of Carl Herrick. So he and his cousin Henry went out hunting, and they became separated. And Henry never saw Carl again. He would notify the police immediately when the searchers went out to search. The sn- uh, the snow actually began to fall, right? Which is unfortunate because it kind of, you know, hinders the search process. Yeah, for sure. The search would continue three days, and then, and they still didn't find Carl. Well, this isn't true because on the third day he was found by Henry okay his cousin. Carl's body was face uh, Carl's face was black and his arms and hands were had scratches on them. His rifle was found leaning against a tree 70 feet from him from his body mm-hmm. uh, by the rifle they found a spent round.
0: Okay, so he got a round off at whom or whatever.
1: Yeah. Now... Now when
0: they say his face was black, do they...
1: I'm going to say, like, exposure.
0: Okay, because, again, that could also be another, like, heavy-duty internal injury kind of thing where blood is pooled there as well. Yeah. Because if you've ever seen, like, a, a body that's sat for a while, wherever the blood pools, it tends to be almost black. It's so dark.
1: Yeah, I mean they they alleged that there was a bear attack.
0: Of course, it was a bear.
1: Um, well, or I'm sorry, not a bear attack. I'm sorry. That.
0: Because where was this one?
1: Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. This was actually uh in Townsend, which is not very far away. It's uh, yeah, it's right
0: in that same area. Still,
1: it's close. It's within
0: like right near Reading. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, within like. I don't know, half hour maybe yeah. ish away. Okay. Um. So there was, uh, but a bear. Okay. What they claimed was the reason why the rifle was where it was, the spent casing, was they said that he would actually shot a bear. Okay. Mm-hmm. The he went to go, you know. Not dispatch the bear, because he felt the bear was dead. He went to clean the bear, you know, dress him and everything. Meaning, gut him. Right. Um, And the bear wasn't dead. <sighs> Hence the scratch marks
0: and such. Okay, so let me explain to you why that excuse is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Because no experienced hunter would go to clean an animal and leave their rifle, exactly. not knowing if it's dead or not. Even if it's a deer, because guess what? A deer can fuck you up. Exactly. That, that, that is such bullshit.
1: And Carl and, uh, not Carl, but, um, uh, um, Henry actually claimed that he's like, no way he yeah. would not have done that. No, no fucking way. He would not have left his rifle and, you know, gone to, you know, do that unless he knew f- probably for sure that he had killed the bear,
0: he still wouldn't have left his rifle. You bring it with you, yeah, because you start cleaning an animal like that. Doesn't matter what time of day it is; that smell hits the air, and it draws coyotes, and coyotes will attack you if you are between them and food. Yep. So you there? That that is complete now,
1: bullshit. Um. So on uh, November twenty seventh of nineteen forty three, an article in Dunkirk Evening Observer. Um, had the following in it, which was a quote from, um, uh, the coroner, yep. acting coroner Carlos Otis said that the bear had, uh, cuffed, AKA scratched mm. Herrick about the head, but killed him by squeezing. No. And he said the victim's lung was punctured.
0: No. Bears don't squeeze people.
1: No. They maul them.
0: Especially considering we don't have mm-hmm. a sizable bear or sizable bear population in the state. Um, well, as a matter of fact, the uh, the biggest black bear...
1: Yeah, and they said there was no mention of, like, uh, of bite marks because that's what a bear would do. Yep. He would bite or she would bite. And...
0: So the largest black bear on record being reported in the state of Vermont is 525 pounds. That's a male. Mm -hmm. We only have black bears here. We don't have... And black bears, unless they are exceptionally hungry or sick, are not generally violent with people. Because they are more... uh, They're more... um, I don't want to say laid back, but docile they're, sort of they're, they're more weary of people yeah. than some of the other like more predatory bear species. And we all we have is fucking black bears. Yeah. And I've never seen a, a, s <laughs> I've never seen a bear squeeze anything other no. than a tree while they're climbing it.
1: No, and plus uh it takes a lot of pressure, you know, as uh to
0: squeeze somebody yeah. and break their ribs. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, David Politis actually like commented on that in the book. He said that it t- the, the pressure it takes to actually break a rib and cause it to puncture your lung is quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and again, I, I do it again. Very similar to Diatlov, there was an exact injury like that where someone was squeezed to death. Yeah, that's not a fucking bear.
1: No, I mean, I'm a, I'm 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 putting it toward because it wasn't human. I'm saying Bigfoot. Yeah. Absa
0: fucking lootly Yeah. Absolutely.
1: I mean, they've been, there's been cases of them being violent like that.
0: Yeah. and you know, That's that's the thing is that everybody's... Oh, the, they're just like a gentle giant. No, 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 no. Listen to actual encounters with them, and they are generally fairly violent. Yeah. And it's not like they're out there hunting people. It's you stumbled into their territory, and they are going to make you pay for it. Exactly. So, yeah. But... So yeah, so that's uh that's the missing
1: persons holy Jesus of uh of Bennington and a little bit beyond. Yeah, but, I mean still General I ha- area. I, I had to kind of put that in because those last two because they kind of fit in. Yeah. You know, with some of this like you know, missing never coming up, you know, boom.
0: But I mean like Because that last one, if you were to jump to conclusions, like where like, oh, he was out hunting with his cousin. he went missing his cousin never saw him again, but then all of a sudden his cousin finds his body. If there had been a bullet hole in that guy, you would have gone. Oh, his cousin shot him, yeah, then felt bad and then and there's no know, yeah,
1: but there's his, no his cousin didn't squeeze him to death
0: no 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 no, no no no, you have to be a large, large man to be able to do that to somebody,
1: yeah, and be and really, the fact really that strong.
0: you you start squeezing on somebody. You do that, they still have arms free. They're going to just batter you until you let go of them. Headbutt, punch, whatever they can do. Yeah. You're not going to squeeze somebody so hard you break their ribs and exactly. kill them like that. That's like inhuman strength. Exactly. So, yeah, holy shit. Yeah,
1: yeah. so that's, uh, I guess that's the yeah. Beddington Triangle. Yeah. And uh, kind of the strangeness of the area. High people, strangeness. I mean,
0: people just coming up fucking missing. Like, yeah. Left and right, and this, and here's the thing. Here's the thing that I did. I didn't. I wanted to bring up before, but I was just so interested in the stories. These are just the reported people that have gone missing. Mm-hmm. Who knows how many other people have just vanished?
1: Well, like and the, nobody said a word. Well, like the dead body that they found that they thought was Paula's. Yeah, and it was actually someone else's. Yeah, body. So who was that person?
0: Yeah. How How many people have 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 you know hopped off the Long Trail in that area and just v- gone? Yeah, never seen again. Or who you know, have like been lone on hikers the that they don't have a car to leave as evidence? They just you know, like these people that that do it. Um, the fuck? How do? What do they call it? Like through, through min- minimalistic? Yeah. yeah, where they bring just like a small bag with them and just go that way. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot of shit to to go missing. It's a person and a backpack. Yeah, you know, it's not much. No.
1: Trying to go as fast as I can.
0: Really makes you think. But uh, mm. I I thoroughly enjoyed doing this. This was fun. Yeah,
1: it was. It uh, definitely was.
0: This is one of our longer ones, but hey.
1: Yeah, I apologize once again. You had know, that's so long. I mean, it's two hours is quite a long time, but and
0: sometimes it's not about the length, sometimes it's about the girth, but whatever. We, we had length and girth on this <laughs> it's one. It's true. So yeah.
1: Uh, with that uh, said, if you're into bef-
0: before we get to that, motherfucker, next week, we are gonna have a real fun one. We have A I'm going to I'm just going to say it. The best person that's ever hosted the Dark Windows podcast (laughs) is going to rejoin us for uh, for an episode of You mean uh, Seth. No, no, Justin. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Justin Rimmel from Mysterious Circumstances is going to join us for a topic that all three of us have a, uh, you know, a a mutual interest in. We are going to talk about uh, an athlete, more specifically, a boxer who is. In probably he's he's featured in probably the most famous portrait of a boxing match ever taken. We're gonna leave it at that. Um, but we're not just talking about him for that. We're talking about him because there is crime galore through this thing. It's there is like petty crimes as a kid and a teenager. There is mafia related crimes. There is all kinds of crazy shit and then a mysterious death at the end of it it's fucking wild you guys are going to love it i really really think you guys are going to enjoy it yeah um, honestly i'm like and i'm like oh shit i got to watch a bunch of boxing on youtube damn twist my arm i might swallow just <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> there we go oh, oh no
1: what should i, know. I do
0: it's crazy <laughs> um,
1: yeah so anyway go over to uh, studio.com check them out Find your headphones, earbuds, all that good stuff. They have a vast variety of of everything, except for the Bluetooth speaker, because they only have one.
0: Because they only need
1: to make one. Yes. Because it's that. And good. Uh, put the promo code of Dark Windows fifteen in at the discount section of checkout to get fifteen percent off your entire purchase. Yeah. And also, uh, you can also go over to. Our other little spot that we told you about
0: at the beginning of the Yeah, podcast. buddy. Well, first of all, you can you can find us on all the different social media platforms. The Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, we are Dark Windows Podcast, Instagram and Twitter, we are Dark Windows Pod. Um, you can email us also at darkwindowspod at gmail.com. Or if you are interested in procuring some fine uh. Excuse me. Merchandise, um, handmade in house at Fortress DWP. You can email us at dwpmerch at gmail.com and we can hook you up with some stickers or a t shirt mm-hmm. or both. If you happen to forget with that too,
1: if you happen to forget, just go to email us at our, our regular email hit address. Hit us up on Facebook. Or hit us up on Facebook. Facebook you know.
0: seems to be more popular than email. Yeah. We we don't get a lot of email stuff but people on Facebook there's all over the place. Um
1: and and right now I mean if you say you know hey I'd like to have this we'll have to we'll get back to you on price.
0: Yeah, we're still um, kind of working that out trying to figure out uh, material cost and time cost and stuff like that but yeah. we're going we're going to try to keep it reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, cuz we're not going to charge you $30 for a subpar t-shirt like anything you're getting like i said is made in-house by my wife for the most part um and it's it's good quality stuff it's not you're not gonna lose your logo after you wash the shirt three times you're not it's not gonna peel off it's not gonna flake we are we're doing high quality shit here and the stickers are all permanent vinyl that you can put on your car and like the only thing I'll say with that is be careful if you live in an area where it snows and you hit it with a scraper (laughs) because I have fucked up many a sticker that way. Um, But yeah, we're, we're, we're interested in trying to do the best quality stuff we can at the lowest price and just make everybody happy. We're not trying to get rich off of this. We're just trying to get, get out there. We're trying to get a, you know, Get the get the word out about the show. And if you enjoy what you're hearing and you want to support us, that's awesome. If not, keep listening for free too. That's fine with me. Again, not trying to not trying to get rich off of this. We're just uh trying to spread the word. Um
1: and I like also rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah,
0: wherever you can.
1: Wherever you want. And yeah. tell other people about us.
0: Yeah. Get the word out there. Get the word out. Fucking tell people you don't even like about us.
1: And and, and if you have at some point wanna have uh us to cover a topic you know we don't say it often but if you want us to cover a topic just let us know on via facebook or email us whichever
0: nine times out of ten anything people are going to suggest is already something that we've uh we've got on the list or we've rattled around but you know if we get a suggestion for something we'll pander <laughs> i mean yeah. i'm not i'm not above that <laughs> yep um you can also go over to age of radio Uh, which is uh, ageofradio.org, and you can find every episode of this show that we have ever posted. You can also find your next favorite podcast on the Age of Radio Network, including our upcoming guest, Mr. Justin Remmel, Mysterious Circumstances, and another lady that we're going to have on here probably later this month, uh, Miss Anne over at uh, Caravan Allure. Uh, Check her show out. That, That is awesome. It's it's kind of like us where there's so many different topics that she covers. Um, it, it's it's very interesting. So give her a listen as well.
1: Um, also, you can uh, – I keep forgetting to mention this. We, all, we both do. There are places uh, – um, like when you're searching through Age of Radio's webs- uh, website, there is st- sections where you can go and purchase – Different items?
0: Yeah, a lot of podcasting equipment. Uh, yeah, podcasting
1: you know. equipment. Um, You can also get uh, working out working out equipment. Yeah. um, All that. You can scroll down through it. There's actually one section. It's the... Uh, I uh, can't think of what bizarre. it's called. Bazaar. And there's another section, the newer one, that I was like, oh, this is different. This is not the bizarre because I haven't checked it out in a while. But it also has uh different other little things that you can you know you can buy supplements and such.
0: And I'll throw this out there. If you start if you buy start buying podcast equipment and you are trying to start a show, if you need any advice, hit us up. We can't help you with workout advice, but we can help you with podcast stuff.
1: Exactly. For
0: free because you know that's when we were first starting out there were so many people that we reached out to that gave us such helpful information and they weren't jerk offs about it that that's the least we can do is return the favor to somebody else that's trying to start up, and just not, you know, not be a bunch of douchebags. But um, with that being said, we're uh, we're gonna call it a night.
1: Yes, want to go get some
0: food. Yes, it's ten o'clock and we've not eaten yet. All right, and as Kevin says, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. <laughs>